Well, glad to have you here today. This is part six of our sermon series called Unshakable. We've been looking at the life of the prophet Daniel, been specifically looking at the test that Daniel faced, because they're the same test that we're going to face in our life. And we're looking at Daniel because Daniel passed the test and it made his life unshakable. And that's what we want to do uh, for each of you. Now, I've been saying through this series that we've got to remember that for every blessing, there is a testing. Before every blessing, there is always a testing because God wants to see if you can handle what you've been given before he gives you more. Now, God tests you, God tests you with stress before he gives you success. Uh, Jesus explained the principle <clears throat> in Luke 16. It's on the screen. He says, you must be proven trustworthy in small things before you'll be trusted with greater things. Before every blessing, there's always a testing. And if you have not been faithful with what is not your own, who will trust you to give you your own? So God tests us. God tests us with stress. God tests us with suffering. And God actually tests us with success. We're going to see that today. And success is a difficult test. I mean, you ever seen somebody ruined by success? I mean, honestly, more people are ruined by success than by suffering. Because when you're suffering, there's a natural tendency to turn to God for help. But when you're experiencing success, there's a natural tendency to forget God and focus on yourself. Proverbs 27, 21 says, A hot furnace tests silver and gold, but people are tested by the praise they receive. Every success, every compliment that you receive is a test. Do you know that, that human beings are the only animal that God created that when you pat them on the back, their head swells up? Okay? So success brings the danger of pride and arrogance and ego. And today, it's not a test of Daniel. Today, it's the test of Nebuchadnezzar. And we see that Nebuchadnezzar lost everything because of his pride, arrogance, and ego. Nebuchadnezzar's father was the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was actually a young general in his dad's army, and he was responsible for the defeat of the Assyrians, their worst enemy, and he greatly expanded the empire of Babylon. He became king and experienced success after success after success. Nebuchadnezzar is the guy who built the hanging gardens of Babylon. He built this beautiful city. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, like the pyramids. I mean, this is an, an awesome guy with a success after success. And our story today is actually in Daniel chapter 4, and it picks up when Nebuchadnezzar is in his 50s. It's 32 years later than when uh, Daniel interpreted that dream for Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And let's take a look at his dream. He says, while I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with the fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. So Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of this glorious tree that has grown up and providing food for the world and shelter for the world and it's just this magnificent thing. And then in his dream he hears a voice from heaven that says, cut the tree down. 
And they come in and they cut it off and they turn it into a stump. And he's wondering, what in the world does this dream mean? So Daniel comes and gives him the interpretation. This is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord the King. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone He chooses. So Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, look, God, you've done something magnificent here, but God is fed up with your arrogance. And listen, you make a 90-foot tall gold statue of yourself and expect everybody to bow down and worship it, you got an ego problem, okay? And so God saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. And as a result, Nebuchadnezzar recognized that God was the one true God. But over time, he forgot. He forgot God for 30 years and he started serving himself. So God warns Nebuchadnezzar through this dream. He says, look, it's time to humble yourself or God's going to remove you uh, as king for a season of time. And it says, uh, actually it says seven seasons in the Hebrew and we don't know for sure how long that is. It may be seven years, it may be seven seasons, which would make it about two and a half years. But it's a significant length of time to eat grass like a cow, Okay. (laughs) Now, not only is Nebuchadnezzar going to lose his kingdom, he's going to lose his mind. He's going to wind up out in the desert, living like an animal, his hair all matted, his fingernails look like bird claws. But Daniel says, you don't have to go through this humiliating experience. If you will humble yourself and start honoring God, God will honor you with further success. So Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, he got the interpretation, but he ignores it. And so the most powerful and influential man in the world winds up homeless and insane out in the desert. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was tested by his success. And you and I are going to be tested by our success. Now granted, we may not be a king or queen. We may not be the most influential man or woman in the world. But whatever level of success God grants to us, it's a test. We're going to be tested with it. And if you pass the test... God says, now I know I can trust you with more. If you don't pass the test, you run the risk of losing everything you got. So today I want us to ask three questions. First, what gets us into trouble? Because we see successful people fall by the wayside all the time. What causes us to get into trouble when we succeed? Write these down. First, we get comfortable and complacent with success. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't have a care in the world. Now, does that sound like a person who's praying earnestly every day? I mean, do you pray more in pain or in pleasure? You know, sure. You know, we pray more when we're in pain than we do when we're in pleasure. When things are going great, we can have a tendency to forget God. Verse 30 says, as he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon by my own mighty power. I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. Nebuchadnezzar needed to read the purpose-driven life because the first sentence says, it's not about you because he thinks it's all about him. The Bible constantly warns us about the dangers of pride. Pride is the root of 
of all sin. Pride is the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven. God says we're not supposed to gossip. And I think, well, I know better than God. I'll say whatever I want. God says, I'm supposed to forgive that person. But I think I know better than God, and so I'm going to hold on to my resentment. God says I'm supposed to be sexually pure, but I know better than God, and I'll do what feels good. God says I'm supposed to be a steward of all that he gives me. I'm supposed to tithe and give offerings. But I know better than God. I'll do what I want with my money. Pride is the root of every other sin. Proverbs 16.5 says, The Lord despises the proud. They will surely be punished. So we get in trouble when we get comfortable and complacent with our success. We get into trouble when we don't pay attention to the warning signs. Every success has the seeds of your own destruction. And we often don't see those seeds, we don't see the warning signs because of our pride. God clearly warned Nebuchadnezzar about his pride and God gives him a warning and he gives him an opportunity to repent. So he doesn't have to lose his kingdom, he doesn't have to lose his sanity, but he ignored the warning. Now what are the warning signs that you're getting? A prideful and forgetful heart toward God. Well, there are, there are some very obvious ones. One of them is conflict. If you've got a lot of conflict in your relationships, that's a warning sign that you're on the wrong track. If you've got chaos in your life, if there's chaos and disorder, that's a warning sign. If you've got confusion, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening here. I'm just confused. That's a warning sign that you're trying to live life in your own power rather than humbly living your life before God. Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar in verse 27, he says, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. So Daniel tells him flat out, you've got to change your behavior. You've got to change the way you're living. You've got to stop doing wrong and start doing right. You can't keep living the way you've lived in the past. You've got to behave differently. You can't just think about yourself. You've got to think about other people. And, and why, why do you have to choose to be humble? You know, the Bible never tells us to pray, God, make me humble. No. The Bible never says, God, humble me. It says, humble yourself. You know, other people can humiliate you, but only you can humble yourself because humility is a choice. And pride is when I accept credit for things that God and other people did through me and for me. You know, I accept credit that doesn't really belong to me. That's pride. Now, humility, I want you to understand this. Humility is not thinking poorly of yourself. You know, if you see somebody who's, oh, I'm just so horrible. Oh, I can't do anything. Oh, I'm just a terrible person. Oh, I don't have any abilities. That's not, that's not humility. You know what that is? That's false pride. Because it's still focused on yourself. Pride is when you're focused on yourself. False pride is when, you know, pride I'm saying how great I am. False pride is when I'm saying how lousy I am. But both of them are focused on you. Humility is not like that. Here's the difference. If I walk into a room full of people and I think, I wonder what they think of me. I mean, how do I look? I wonder what they think. That's pride. You walk into a room full of people and you think, how can I help? That's humility. That's humility. 
You know, the humble person is so busy thinking about other people, thinking about God, they're, they're not even thinking about themselves at all. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Because pride is self-centered, humility is other-centered, it's God-centered. And, and Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, you've got to change the way you behave, and you've got to pay attention to the poor. Why? Because it gets the focus off of yourself, and it keeps you in touch with reality. The more successful you become, the more removed from reality you become. And we see that in these extreme uh, situations with these celebrities and these fabulously rich people. I mean, just the more successful they become, the more removed from reality they become. I mean, they live in these fantasy worlds. But the, and the truth is, that can happen to us, even at our level of success. We can forget how most of the world lives because we get isolated in, in our bubble. I, I got to tell you, in, in the country and in the day and age in which we live in, I mean, folks, we're living in Disneyland. I mean, it's the, the, the way we live here is so far divorced from the reality of most of the planet that we can't even grasp it. Let me put this poverty thing in perspective for you. If you have coins in your pocket, if you have bills in your billfold, if you have coin in the ashtray, coins in the ashtray of your car, if you have coins on a little jar sitting on top of the, your nightstand, if you have any cash at all available to you, change, you are richer than 90% of the people on the planet. Because 90% of the people on the planet don't live from paycheck to paycheck. They literally live from meal to meal. That's how 90% of the world lives. And so I just want to congratulate you on your success. Because you and I, we don't live like that. We don't live like that. God has blessed us beyond measure. And we have this tendency to look around at people who have more than us and to see these celebrities and these fabulously rich people and we think, oh my Poor, poor me. I don't have as much. We need to recognize that God has blessed us beyond measure. And when we understand that God did not give us the success that we enjoy just for ourselves, God, gave, we can't become complacent and comfortable with this. God gives us our success not for our benefit, but for his glory and to benefit other people. And when you begin to understand that concept, when you humbly thank God for what you have been given and you faithfully seek to make a difference in the lives who don't have it, God will give you more. It's just amazing. We've got to change our prideful attitudes into gratitude and we've got to get the focus off of ourselves and focus on those who are in need. That's the warning that God gave to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar totally ignored it. That's the warning that God gives to each one of us. What are you going to do with the warning? Third thing that happens, write this down. We put off doing what we know is right. We procrastinate, we postpone. Verse 28 says, 12 months later. 12 months later. I mean, what's Nebuchadnezzar been doing for the last year? God says you're going to lose your kingdom, you're going to lose your mind if you don't change. He's not changing anything in his life. He's delaying, he's deferring, he's dawdling. I mean, if God warned you that you were going to lose everything in your life, everything you'd worked for, would you wait 12 months to make a change? I mean, if God warned you, would you wait 12 months to start to do the right thing? 
But the truth is, God has warned you. He's warned you right here in this book. He said, if you do the right thing, I will bless you. If you don't do the right thing, you may lose it all. So why do we put off doing what we know is the right thing to do? Daniel says, but all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon by my own mighty power. I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. he's He's boasting to himself. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. Nebuchadnezzar is the first cow boy. (laughs) Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Actually, history documents this mental meltdown of Nebuchadnezzar. This isn't some fable or just some myth. It's a historical situation that they faced. The most powerful man in the world is drooling on himself and acting like an animal. You ever seen a friend who who decides not to do what God wants them to do and they become self-destructive? You look at a friend and you think, you are going to give up your wife and your kids and your house and your job for her? You're going to give up everything that that you have built and done and accomplished for a drug or a drink? Have you lost your mind? Self-destructive behavior from people who are running away from God. We see it all the time. The wonderful part of the story is God had mercy on Nebuchadnezzar. And after this period of humiliation, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar's mind are restored. And the truth is, God will do that for us as well. Tremendous story of grace. Let's look at what gets us out of trouble. What gets us into trouble? What gets us out of trouble? First is, you've got to look up to God. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned. He looked up to heaven. Do you need to do that today? And for some of you, maybe it's the very first time you've ever done that. You've always looked to yourself. Maybe you've always looked to other people. Maybe you've looked to the government or to your job or to a drink or a drug in order to solve your problems. But today is the day that you make the decision, no, 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 I'm going to look to God. I'm going to look up to heaven. That's where it starts. Second thing Nebuchadnezzar did is he woke up to God's greatness and started worshiping. You've got to get the focus off of yourself, get the focus off of your problem, get the focus off your humiliation. You've got to get the focus back on God. How do you do that? Well, you start worshiping again. You start reading your Bible and praying every day. You get plugged into a small group and you go there faithfully. You start being consistent in worshiping God, coming to church. You know, when times are good, you can think, I don't need to go to church every week. 
I'll just go once in a while. I mean, we finally got some money. We've got the ability to have a cabin or a boat or a motorcycle, and, and we can finally spend our weekends in recreation. We can go out and recreation. You know, we'll go to church once in a while. We'll go to church when it rains. Really? Is there anything more important in your life than worshiping God? Is there anything more important than you honoring God and hearing from Him on a regular basis? And maybe to regain your sanity, you need to wake up to God's greatness and worship again. Nebuchadnezzar says, My sanity returned, and I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the One who lives forever. My sanity returned and I started praising and worship. Listen, we get better when we replace pride with praise. You want to get better? You want to regain your sanity? Replace pride with praise. Because things going good in your life are as much a test as when things are going bad. Because when things are going good in your life, that's when God tests your pride and your humility. And this wasn't just a problem for Nebuchadnezzar, and it's not just a problem in our day. It's been a problem for every thousand years before Nebuchadnezzar, Moses recognized this problem for the Jews that were coming out of slavery in Egypt and going into the success of the promised land. And Moses was actually more afraid of the success in the promised land than he was of the slavery in Egypt. Because he's afraid the Jews are going to stop dependent on God and they're not going to pass the success test. Look at Deuteronomy 8. He says, remember how God led you through the wilderness these past 40 years? He humbled you by letting you go hungry, and he tested you with hardships many times to test your character and to see if you will obey whatever he commands you to do. Before every blessing, there's always a testing. And they passed the test of hardship. But now there's going to be the test of success. Now God is bringing you into a good land, a land with plenty of water, with bountiful crops, orchards full of fruit, abundant copper and iron in the ground, and you will lack nothing. So when you are full and satisfied and prospering, praise the Lord with gratitude for all He has given you. They're going to be tested on their success, but be careful that you do not forget the Lord and that you continue to always obey every command of God. Otherwise, when you have built your fine houses and your gold and silver have multiplied, your heart will become proud and you will forget that it was God who saved and delivered you out of your slavery and gave all this to you. And when you become successful, do not think, I did all this by my own strength and I became rich by my own power. Instead, remember that it is God, your Lord, who gives you the ability and strength to produce wealth. I warn you, if you ever forget God and begin turning things into idols that you worship, God will destroy it all and your nation, just as he has destroyed other nations before you who forgot God. There have been other nations who had forgotten God and they were destroyed. The Israelites are going to forget God and they're destroyed. That's the story of Daniel. The Babylonians are going to forget God and they're going to be destroyed. And you know what? The same thing can happen to us. What he's saying here is that success is dangerous. There is a danger when you experience the blessing of God. And your greatest test in life may not be when you lose your job. It may be when you get a better one. I see people all the time, they're active at church, they're plugged into ministry, plugged into a small group, they get a better job, they get a promotion, and suddenly that becomes the priority and the focus and they forget about church. 
You know, your greatest test may not be when you're struggling with debt. It may be when you get a raise. And suddenly you've got the money to buy those things that will shift your focus from serving God to serving yourself. So what do you do? What do you do when you get a raise? What do you do when you get a promotion? When God blesses your life, when you experience success, what do you do? You welcome it. You celebrate it. You thank God for it. And you humble yourself. And you remember those who are less fortunate. Because you've got to keep your feet firmly grounded in reality. You've got to recognize, God, I realize that this is all, if, none of this would happen if it weren't for you. I mean, I could have been born anywhere. I could have been born in Afghanistan, in the Amazon jungle. I could be a street kid in a third world city. I didn't get to choose when and where I was born. I didn't get to choose my talents and abilities and what I can do. No, that's all a gift. It's a gift from God. And I am accountable for how I use that gift. And I've got to humble myself before God. Give Him the glory. And I've got to help those who don't have that gift. Nebuchadnezzar learns four truths about God that, that help stabilize his life. And they'll, help stay, they'll, they'll make you unshakable. Here they are. Number one, God's kingdom will outlast everything I do. God's kingdom will outlast everything I do. God's rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. And so whether you've built the hanging gardens of Babylon or you've just built a nice house and got a good job, you need to recognize that it's not going to last. And you need to make your number one priority something that's going to last forever, and that's God's kingdom. Number two, God's approval matters more than all the others. Everybody else may even disapprove of me, but if God approves of me, that's what matters. Verse 35, all the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. Who do you want to say, good job, God or a bunch of people? Third thing, God's power is absolute. Nebuchadnezzar says he does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing this? Nobody can say, what do you mean by doing this? What do you mean by, by taking away my kingdom? What do you mean by taking away my mind? What do you mean by whatever he does? God can do whatever he wants to do. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he's able to humble the proud. Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm, I'm exhibit A of that. I was the most prideful, arrogant man on the planet, and God humbled me. When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. God has the power to raise up a king. God has the power to bring down a king. God has the power to bring him up again. And God can do the same thing in your life. God has the power to make you a success. God has the power to bring you down. And by God's grace, he can bring you up again. It's never over till it's over. And so if you fail the test, you need to just lean into God's grace, lean into God's mercy, and recognize God's power is absolute. Number four, you need to recognize that God never makes any mistakes. All his acts are just and true. That's easy for us to believe when things are going good. It's harder for us to believe when things are going bad. 
You know, we don't understand why everything happens. Why does God bless us? Why does God test us? We, we, don't, under, we don't have to understand because he does. And he's not making any mistakes. So Nebuchadnezzar looks up to God. He wakes up to God's greatness and worships God. Third thing he does, third thing you need to do. And that is tell others how God has saved and changed me. This was a pretty humiliating experience. One day, everybody's bowing down to you. The next day, you're, you're eating grass and you're out in the desert and your hair's all matted and your fingernails look like bird claws. I mean, but he's not embarrassed about it. In fact, he tells his story to anybody who will listen. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. This is Nebuchadnezzar's celebrate recovery testimony. Nebuchadnezzar, we're here today. He would say, hi, I'm Nebuchadnezzar. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a believer who struggles with pride. You know, he wrote, this, he wrote this letter to all the leaders of the world. He says, I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. And then he tells him his story of losing his kingdom and going insane and getting his sanity back and praising God. So let me ask you this. Has God done anything for you? God saved you from anything? Has God changed your life in any way? Has God granted you success? Has God tested your success? So who are you telling? Are you telling anybody about how God has done these things for you? And if not, why not? Because we really need to pass the test of success if we're going to become unshakable. Let's pray together. So we close today. Would you, would you pray the prayer of Nebuchadnezzar? Would you say, God, I, I don't want to get complacent and comfortable in my life. I want to pay attention to the warning signs. And I don't want to put off what I know to do is right. And so I humble myself before you. God, help me to take the first step. Help me to look up to you. And for some of you, this is the step that maybe you've never done. Maybe for the first time, you need to say, God, I'm not looking to myself. I'm not looking to anybody else. I'm not looking to anything else. Today, God, I recognize you're it. You are God and I am not. And God, I want to wake up to your greatness and I want to start worshiping you. I'm, I don't want my focus to be on my problems or my pain or even my promotion. I want my focus to be on you. God, help me to tell other people. Forgive me my shyness, my embarrassment, my cowardice. And God, I want to tell others about all the good that you've done for me. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.